All right. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Black Consumer News online and here live at KABF 88.3 FM. Thank you so much for tuning in and being here with us this beautiful, sunny Friday morning. Thank God it's Friday and we are winding down the last few days of March. Uh, This is our weekly edition of Black Consumer News of Arkansas and we are celebrating Women's History Month with an esteemed panel of accomplished black women. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. We are for sure. And I'm, I'm triply excited, Wesley, to have I know you in, are in, in the house this been today. Worrying about this day for, for a whole <laughs> yeah. week now. I I am so excited. I'm so excited. Um, if you haven't already, go check out our new website, BlackConsumerNews.com, where we post the top news stories impacting Black consumers in Arkansas and across the nation. As Arkansas's only Black-owned owned online news startup. Our goal is to be your daily online newspaper and multimedia platform. So we want you to wake up with us every morning, every afternoon or night. Anytime is the right time to read BlackConsumerNews.com. So we also want you to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BlackConsumerNews. And like us because we like you. We, yeah, yeah, That's we like you. Reason. We we like you. I'm your host, Angel Bird, um, BCN's chief creative officer and co-producer of this show. I also want to introduce our co-host, Wesley Brown. Uh, Wesley is BCN's publisher and executive editor. Good morning, Wesley. Good morning. How are you doing this morning, Angel? Oh, man, I am on fire. I'm excited. I'm here and grateful to be, be that, to be here. All right. All Absolutely. Right. And um, so how's everything going um, with the Daily Record? Well, we are uh, just pushed out our new uh, publication that comes out on Monday. uh, And we're looking at uh, the two faces of the the job market, uh, you know, the the recovery from the uh, uh, COVID-19 recession, the Federal Reserve Chairman. Uh, gave a report to Congress this past week, and he said, you know, the recovery is because of the three stimulus packages, two under former President Donald Trump and one, the American Rescue Plan under President Joe Biden that was passed on March 11, mm-hmm. is stimulating the money, the stimulus packages to get money immediately back into the economy. That's occurring, but the, uh, there's still about 8 million jobs that have not, uh, I think, during the peak in April of last year, there was about 11, 12 million jobs lost. And if you go down to the, and I think you, we did a story on this, you go down to university and look at the unemployment line. Yeah, the, most of the, the workforce people, center. Most of the people in those line are black. Yes. And uh, the Federal Reserve chairman pointed that out in his report to Congress. He said the recovery, the job market has fully recovered, but uh, generally in any downturn or any recession, we are the, are the you're basically the, the first fired, last hired. And you're seeing that happen right now. A lot of black people are still not uh, getting those same jobs they had when they doing the reset. Uh, when COVID came down, you had the social distancing and and workforce shutting down. Most yeah. a lot of black people, especially in the working class, have haven't seen their jobs come back. A lot of polarizing effects that are happening not only in Arkansas but around this country. As yeah, far yeah, as black and, people are and, and we know COVID has disproportionately Portionally affected black people in terms of health care, uh, mental health, uh, also uh, black businesses, the PPP loans that, that were given out over almost a trillion dollars in PPP loans. Uh, a lot of black businesses didn't 
didn't uh, participate in that. And we've talked about that uh, several times here on Black Consumer News, and hopefully this time people are getting their ducks in a row, so to speak, and, and we'll be talking more about that as we go on in the show today. I also want to mention and say congratulations to Wesley. He's been appointed to the board of the National Inventors Hall of Fame in Akron, um, Ohio. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's one of the nation's top nonprofits that supports STEM research and education and recognizes most of of Americans' top inventors and scientific trailblazers at um, uh, at a black tie event each year at the White House. Mm-hmm. So congrats, congrats, congrats. I'm we are so proud of that. you. Yeah, so am I. Like I said, I'm just full of excitement today, <laughs> right? Yeah. I got all my great energy around me, I tell you. So this week, um, our three guests include three of the most uh, multifaceted and talented women in Arkansas. It's a very special day for me. I can't say it enough. And it's, it's Women's Month too. So there you have it. So we, we are going to get started. Uh, we have Keisha Zavino. Keisha, are you there with us? I am. And thank, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Keisha is a former um, JAG attorney. She's also um, a, a lawyer. She's practicing at the Hood and Stacy Law Firm up in Northwest Arkansas. She's also a mother and a lactation consultant who advocates for other parents, doulas, midwives, and birthing mothers all across the country. Um, all uh, right. Welcome, <laughs> Keisha. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. She's also a board member of the District A3 at the Arkansas Bar Association. Uh, she serves on the task force of the Bentonville Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion um, Task Force. So we're so happy to have you here, Keisha. Thank you. And we also have Cindy Hurst. Uh, Cindy is a public speak- speaker, social worker, film producer, and owner of Sankofa project that focuses on social and racial injustice, advocacy, cultural self-awareness, and community development. Uh, she's a book author as well. All right. Natural Mommy and Writer daughter. in the house. Yes. Um, <laughs> a book author of Natural Mommy and Daughter Coloring Book and A Ho-Ho Healthy Christmas for Children. Welcome, Cindy. It's good, it's good to be here, Angel. Thank you so much. And next, Classy, Classy Watson. She's, uh, she's a life and business strategist and a photographer with over eight years of strategic business development. Classy is a catalyst for mental health counseling and uses her business experience to help entrepreneurs develop business strategies, uh, a personal brand and customer ex- experience design while refining systems and marketing, sales and branding. Welcome, Classy. Wow, that's some long Good titles here. I, I'm telling you, some great titles. So we're going to have some great, great conversations. And again, um, I am elated to have my friends on the air with me today in honor of Women's Month. And I can't tell them enough how much uh, I appreciate them all being here. And, and I hope as you listen in to our, our robust informative conversation that you will know why I am um, a happy soul of having to say that all of these women are my friend and uh, really when you cultivate and surround yourself with greatness 
you can't help but just get a little piece of it sometimes, maybe. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, Selfishly. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start our show with the BCN headlines and talk about some of the top stories Black Consumer News is working on um, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, our panelists are welcome uh, to join the conversation, and our listeners are welcome to call in with your questions at 501-433-0088. That sound good? Uh, Sounds great. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, so this week, Wesley, you wrote about the two faces of the COVID-19 recovery, right. uh, where 11 million people uh, lost their jobs, and we talked briefly about that a moment ago. So when you say two faces, mm-hmm. tell our panelists and our listeners kind of what that means. It, it means that there's a, a national unemployment rate. Actually, the Arkansas unemployment jobless rate came out this morning. It shows that the Arkansas jobless rate is at 4.6%. It basically means that 4. Uh, 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 most of the, the labor pool is, is working. We have about 1.4 million people in the Arkansas workforce out of a, a population of 3 million people. Uh, and when the Lord it is, it means that the, the better, better for the economy. When you have a high unemployment, it means that a lot of people are out on the work. But for black people, for many years, the, the, the unemployment rate has been in double digits. We're at 4.6 right now. Arkansas is at 9.1%. For black people, the national unemployment rate uh, is 6.2 percent. Nationally, for black people, it's at 9.9 percent. What that means is more black people are out of work than the average uh, person. Uh, uh, white unemployment is actually below the national average. Mm-hmm. And a year ago, as we were going into the COVID uh, recession, uh, unemployment for both the state and the nation was down at 3.5 percent, which is was near a record low. That means that most of the people who wanted a job could get a job. Uh, but the type of job, that's the, that's the difference. The yeah, type of was, job. Yeah, and I was going to say, okay, so specifically what occupations and industries had, have lost most, do- jo- um, most of the jobs during the pandemic? Uh, what, what is known in uh, what's called the NACS code from the Labor Department is the leisure and hospitality industry. That means uh, uh, we know fast food, restaurants. Which is food, a place as well of where black folks are. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other areas, accommodations, uh, tourism-type industries, uh, are people that are on the front line of the COVID. Uh, uh, a lot of those uh, businesses are, are not back at full, em- un- uh, full employment. So, uh, And a lot of those people have used, interesting dynamic happened when the COVID, they were, a lot of people actually told their workers to, to uh, take off because the unemployment benefits were actually higher. There were people getting $600 a week for unemployment benefits. Oh, yeah. If you work at a a fast food restaurant, that may be more than you were making per week. So a lot of people did did that. But but what the stories out there, being in the media, that didn't say that the owners benefit from that, too, because they got the PPP loan dollars. Right, and they can put those reports in and get those dollars. Yeah, they got that money. They were getting paid on both ends. So, you know, they were letting employees go or furloughing employees, but they were also getting these big... Uh, there's there's companies that got as much as ten billion, ten million mm-hmm. uh, in PPP loans, first round and the second round. So yeah, and it's a crutch right now, but I want people to be aware that that crutch can go from underneath us as soon as it comes. It can as soon as it can go. And you know, most of the rental uh, eviction bans are going to end pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reports out there say that that people are three and four months behind 
on their rent and and, uh, and that you know, most of those people look like us you know people I have people at my church that are impacted by that uh, we've had to our, our assistance at the church has has increased so what's going to happen is that when those rental uh, eviction bans and moratoriums in you like you said the bottom is going to drop out well and I hope we put a lot more emphasis as well on this unemployment thing as we are putting into the vaccine I think they kind of go hand in hand and I don't want people you know for our government to say okay we can't figure that out but we can figure out how to get people and, and 600 I, I, million dollars in vaccination and I'm going to throw this question out to our guests what yes. are you guys seeing yes. out there yeah. in terms of around your people in your uh, stratosphere and you're uh, surrounded by you what are you seeing I, love, I serve a lot of um, single mothers in the community. And what I'm seeing is um, a lot of them have lost employment. A lot of them are struggling. A lot of them are behind in their rent payments. So the stimulus package, it actually did um, a lot. Mm-hmm. But let's be clear. Um, the women and uh, the people in the communities that I work with or they want to uh, be a part of community. Mm-hmm. They want to work. Yes. You know, they want to feel like, you know, more than just a consumer. Mm-hmm. So even though we have like the unemployment and we have the stimulus, people want to go back to work. Mm-hmm. They want something that's more permanent. They want something that's going to lift their self-esteem and feel like, you know, that they are being a contributing member to society. And Cindy, I know you. We were talking earlier. That what what is the impact? You're in social work. What is that? What is that impact? What is you what you seeing in that in your work? Um, there is an increase in um, domestic violence. Mm. There's also an increase in um, depression, and just as I mentioned earlier, you know, being out of work, um, having in the kids that's the, the kids is a whole nother other issue mm-hmm. because a lot of them are at home they're sure. having to adjust to uh learning from home which is really hard um on a child it's hard on the parents as well especially for the population that i serve because um the internet access isn't always great sometimes the children are bored (laughs) for lack of a better word and just it's a whole new dynamic um getting used to mom having to be teacher mom Mm -hmm. having to be mom mom having to be entertainer mom having to be wife and it's just a lot of uh different moving parts that's happening in the household right now and it's causing a lot of uh mental health issues and let's be clear COVID. um this whole experience has been a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have experienced collective trauma, yes. and it is uh, something that we're going to be dealing with for years to come. And you Absolutely. know, one of the things in those unemployment numbers is that black women are the ones that are, yes. are disproportionately yes. impacted uh, in those those eight million people that are out of work because, like you said, they have to come home from yes. work to take care of a parent who's sick, a child who is home. In school, trying trying to learn, and then to deal with domestic violence—that's yeah. that, that's not good at all. Class, did you have something you want to add to that? You know, I think that's exactly correct. Right now, um, as a result of this of the pandemic, of COVID, of um, unemployment, 
there's such a rise. I think right now there's such a rise in movement, especially in the black community, to even opening up to mental health and mental health awareness, understanding that how our life situations really do affect us. And I think so often we don't think about it because what was happening before the pandemic happened? We were hustling and bustling, we were busy, we were moving. And so we don't ever take that time to stop and slow down and really see how the pressures of life truly affect our mental and emotional well-being. And so now everyone collectively is having to stop at the same time. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's, a, it's one household or a family over here or a family on this block. And so we don't see it because it's so disconnected. And because everything seemed to stop the same time for everyone, we've had no choice but to pay attention to the issues, number one, that the black community is facing with with job, with access, with care. Um, and so and we're seeing so much, especially right now with mental health, with people um, attempting to look for therapists, there's long wait lists. Um, there's issues with the Medicaid system and getting people ac- um, accurate care. And so there's so many things that are happening. Um, and just like Cindy said, uh, in the household, we have people who are asking for help and they cannot get it because we are seeing how broken our system is. Absolutely. It's very polarizing. Keisha, did you want to chime in on that? Um, yeah, and I hate, hopefully I'm not repeating anything that's been said, so I'm having a little difficulty hearing, but I do want to talk about the delays in unemployment. I have a friend who recently applied for unemployment, and they are 20 weeks behind, is what she was told. Um, so there's that. I don't like the whole thing. I, I don't like the distinction uh, that business is essential or non-essential. That's arbitrary mm-hmm. to me. All business is essential. It keeps clothes on our back and food in our bellies. I think women uh, in particular bear the brunt of this. We're now uh, dealing with, you know, reduced employment. We're having problems working. But also because of the way things, um, you know, shook out, so to speak, our lives are just more complicated. You know, I, I can't get my grocery shopping done before my work day begins you know and now you know i'm working fortunately i had a job throughout this i actually got a job in the midst of covid um but everything's more difficult now you know hours were reduced at the store so now we've got more people coming in all at once you're filing me through the same door um to get in and now i'm you know brushing shoulders with folks you know i just i don't like the way the entire thing went down and um and it, it's, it's just difficult. Everyone's lives are impacted. I do some landlord-tenant law, and I do it on both sides, which mm-hmm. I think is a little bit uh, unique. Yes. I didn't see a lot of evictions during this. And, you know, the moratoriums uh, on the evictions only apply when federal money is at play. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people with no protection. Um, I would encourage people to talk to their local legal aid office because there's some folks there doing really good work to and defend the evictions Keisha, that are taking place. Keisha, I want to ask you um, about that because that the renter's right bill is, is we've, been, we've been covering that at the state capitol, and that bill oh, yeah. is in negotiations <laughs> right now. And actually, when we come back from, from recess, that bill is going to come up. But uh, the, the, the lawmakers at the state capitol seem... Uh, not interested in, in people that they, they're more interested in protecting the landlords and the property owners. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's what I saw back in 2017. Um, I saw that myself. Now I was at the Capitol for a different reason. I was working on um, midwifery issues, but that was going on as well because, you know, we're the only state in the entire Don't country have a realist, that allows right? mm-hmm. that, that and we have criminal eviction. Yeah, you go to jail okay. for not paying your rent. <laughs> you could, and it's a criminal offense. But mm-hmm. the, the issue is when you are renting from someone, that's a civil matter. That's mm-hmm. that's an action based in contract law. Mm-hmm. And your remedy is to go to court in civil court just like anyone else. So these landlords get the protection, essentially the government fighting what's really a civil matter on their behalf, using the prosecutor really as their own private attorney to get someone out, and now the person has a criminal offense on their record, you're basically criminalizing poverty. Yeah, absolutely. what you're doing. And so do we think that, um, Wesley, Keisha, anyone else who wants to chime in, do you think it's going to make it out of, is it still, still in committee? It's committee. One of the bills is three, actually three bills that are negotiating. One is the renter's right, and then, as Keisha noticed, not to the, another bill, I think it's House Bill uh, 1798, is to remove uh, uh, a eviction process from the criminal code, as, as she noted. Yes. Uh, uh, there's a court over in Maumelle that, has, that is booming because that's all they handle. That's all, that's all they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. making all yeah. the money. Mm-hmm. So, we, we still see suffering, it, for sure. Suffering I, on, I on the poor people. A, I did a continuing legal education um, for tenant rights recently, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. surveyed the folks who were a, a part of the, the course that day and you do see the criminal evictions happening more often than not, which is which is very disturbing in my opinion. It kind of reminds me of what we've seen with the hot check stuff that happened in the mm-hmm. Sherwood court. Yes. Um, and I don't believe that the lawmakers really care about the issue. I honestly don't. They had passed years back a universal, you know, landlord-tenant mm-hmm. law that was supposed to mimic the, the uh, you know, a federal Yeah, the federal law. law. Yeah, and it, it, had, it took out really everything in there that protected the tenants. So mm-hmm. here we went passing laws. And there are some things in there that are very unclear. So every time you pass laws, you tend to muddy the waters is mm-hmm. what happens. And now you have to reconcile laws on the books that don't make sense and are, are in many times unconstitutional. And I'm not talking, and I'm speaking more generally, but that's what happens. Because spe- we're, we're passing laws to satisfy our constituents or for our friends. Yeah, uh, Arkansas is in the thick of things on that one. <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah, a lot you, of our <laughs> constitutional laws they're oh. passing up there in this session. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so let's talk about this anti-women bill in Arkansas legislation and the most restrictive abortion bill in the United States. But first, let me read a little bit about this bill to our listeners. Act three oh nine of twenty one of twenty twenty one, known as the Arkansas Unborn Child Protection Act prohibits all abortions in the state, except if necessary to save the mother's life in a medical emergency. Governor Hutchison, who has signed this bill into law, said he had concerns about the bill because it does not have any any exceptions for rape or incest. Um, um, Senator Jason Rayford, go figure that one, said (laughs) (laughs) he knows the law is unconstitutional but wants wants it to go to the Supreme Court so the conservative pro-Trump justice can overturn Roe versus Wade. I'm going to get out the way on that one. And, and, all these ladies are yeah. and, and so, and so Keisha, um, 
Yeah, let's let's talk about that because I know that you are a strong advocate for for women's, um, you know, as as, as uh, birthing women. Uh, I know Cindy's a strong advocate as as well as Classy. And um, there are some expletives I would like to say about this bill, but we're not going to do that. We're going to stay uh, professional. <laughs> <laughs> but I want my listeners to know that these ladies are are, are on fire, and so just just be warned about that. So Keisha, can you start us out with that conversation? Yeah, yeah. So I have an interesting perspective on this because a few years back, I sued the the Department of Health um, over their the rules um, that they implemented with respect to access to midwifery care and healthcare. You know, I'll sum it up this way: If you want good healthcare, it's about choice. We don't have choice here in Arkansas as women when it comes to maternal health care. Now, that's neither here nor there for this conversation, but I think it's interesting that mm-hmm. um, in the midst of that lawsuit that Leslie Rutledge mm-hmm. filed a motion uh, stating in the business. And that's our Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. That's, cor- that's correct. And you can look this up online. It's Chelsea Cameron versus Arkansas Department of Health. But in that motion to the court, uh, she actually argued that women in Arkansas have no right to choose their health care provider for labor and delivery. And they cited Roe versus Wade as supporting uh, that statement. Wow. Okay. So no matter what your opinion is on abortion, and in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we have laws that respect freedom, mm. and that's freedom to do what you need to do to your body. And so when you get these laws in place, it just becomes just a Pandora's box. I mean, who would have ever thought that in me arguing that for women who want to have children, that Roe versus Wade would be used as an argument against that? Mm-hmm. Exactly what the law wasn't intended to do. Right. And the and the constitutional aspect of it is very important. We don't have a review process here. So these legislators who uh, are just running wild. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and, and I find it interesting that they're they're all men practically. There is a, <laughs> they are. I, I, yeah. I find I find it very yeah. interesting. Um, um, Cindy, did mm-hmm. you have something to say on that? Well, I can say ever since. Well, first of all, let me first and foremost say that black women in general, black women have been saving this country for many many <laughs> eons of years, and we have always there's always been some restriction on uh, us what took people telling us what we can do with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Even from slave times when we were told that even the children that we bore mm-hmm. were going to be somebody else's property. Enslaved, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, I mean, I know it's an issue for women across Arkansas. You know, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for, for black and brown people. But particularly for black women, and a lot of uh, black women in Arkansas who are not, they're not even aware of what's going on around them. Yeah, at the state capitol, a lot yeah, of that, things, those laws, so aggressive Absolutely. laws. Yes, so mm-hmm. one of the things that I would like to advocate is that we begin to educate um, the community 
educate women in Arkansas as to what's going on. Uh, I kind of have a feeling right now that we may just be preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we need to be in communities. We need to be boots on the ground, letting women know what's going on on so they can uh, form different coalitions to stand up for their rights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because if not, it's a feeling of helplessness. Absolutely, um, and especially like you said, you may be preaching to the choir, but if it's just the choir, right? Exactly. Then nothing is no no movement. Classy, did you have something you want to add to that? Oh, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Uh, right now, there. I mean, there for a while, right? Like for the dawn of time, there's been a fight for women to have their rights over their own bodies, and we know that di- that this disproportionately affects black and brown women. Mm-hmm. We, you know, our access, our, our rate of death in, in childbirth, our rate of access to uh, proper health care is so disproportionate mm-hmm. to the rest of the population. Right. And so it's, it's exactly right what Cindy said. We have to start educating women because all we have is men or those who listen to stations like this and tune in to get the news, to to get the information. And if we're only talking to those people, we know that there's a large amount of people who are out of who out of, who are out of the loop. They don't have the information. And, you know, and we, even go yeah. ahead. You know, we see and we've talked about this in the past. We've we've been reporting on those bills, mm-hmm. uh, and there's not that's not that's just one of the many mm-hmm. anti women bills that are mm-hmm. at the state capitol. Angel has reported on on several of them. Uh, and many times, like you said, I, I'm up there. I've been up there for 20 years in those mm-hmm. communities, seeing this take place, seeing those conversations play, take place. Nobody advocating for black women, mm-hmm. for black children, for black men. Uh, stand your ground. That affects me, black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens is is you have, as you said, uh, uh, Sydney, people making laws that affect us disproportionately. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the voter rights bill. I'm so angry with that. Oh my goodness! Uh, that I have, to, I have to show. A, well, let me let me let me take it down. <laughs> yeah. That I have I know, to show right? my driver's license to, to vote. Yeah. Right. And they're making it even harder. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can't give somebody at my church uh, a glass of water to vote when they're standing in line in our communities that are wrapping around several blocks. So. Yeah, the the voting rights, uh, the the bill that was just signed into law in Georgia, that is just, that's a testing ground for the rest of the uh, United States. But one thing it shows me is that the legislators in Georgia are shaking in their boots because they are so afraid of Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this, this is a, uh, an act of fear mm-hmm. on their part in my opinion. And if they think that this, that black and brown people who are going to stand for this, one thing I know is when you tell us not to do something, that's when we, you open up the floodgates. So we're not gonna uh, stand by idly and let all of these uh, different voter suppression laws go un- unnoticed and unheard and unchallenged. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that when you say, you know, testing the ground. And, and it seems like a lot of the uh, legislators and legislative bills that are coming from Arkansas are doing just that as well. You know, going back to this this uh, abortion, um, you know, 
uh, Arkansas Unborn Child Protection Act. The same thing. It's like mm -hmm. testing the ground. We're the first to ever do mm -hmm. something like this. And it's like, what what's going on? People are not aware, of course, and I agree with you. Coalitions are very, very important. But when you're dealing with a supermajority in our house uh, here in Arkansas, yeah. Keisha, yeah. What, what do you think that, that we should be thinking about and other things that we could be doing as it regards to a supermajority? And also talk about the 63 majority on the Supreme Court when these bills get there. Keisha? Sorry, can you say that, repeat that again? Yeah, just just uh, about the supermajority at the Arkansas House of Representatives and the Senate, and also the supermajority on the Supreme Court when these bills get to, uh, uh, because Ro if Roe versus Wade go to the Supreme Court, they might overturn it right now because of of the woman that was put in Trump on the Supreme in. Court mm -hmm. just before uh, for the election. So, for we'll talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, you know, I don't. I think you never know what's going to happen. I think it's really hard to get something in front of the Supreme Court. Um, I'm, you know, and I'm really more concerned with what happens at the local level. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, running for city council in Bentonville this this past few months yeah. really um, enlightened me. Being down at the Capitol in 2017 just showed me that what's happening at the local level is impacting me more than usually in most cases, impacting me more than what's happening at the federal yeah, level. Definitely, local um, local politics. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. really, really important to be involved and know who is representing you mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and being vocal and staying in touch. Um, and I'm a member of the Birthright Bar Association, so we do work on a national scale. And I mentioned this because of this Unborn Child, um, unborn child Act that mm -hmm. you know they're attempting to pass. Right. What you're going to see from this and what we have already seen, and it's happened in Arkansas, is women are being criminally prosecuted um, for what happens to their child. So uh, apart from the abortion issue, we're seeing women who, okay, and, and we are more disproportionately affected with, you know, drug issues, lack of support in the community, mm -hmm. and we're seeing women being prosecuted because they have a drug in their system. Mm -hmm. For example, we know for a fact that these hospitals without parental knowledge or consent are drug testing babies. Mm -hmm. They're doing it mm -hmm. to black women, okay, because there's inherent and implicit biases. Cindy knows um, all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now we are being criminally prosecuted for what happens to our babies when there's really no way to make the connection, you know, it reminds me of the crack baby epidemic that was, uh, you know, so prevalent in the 80s, and the doctors and, and people who were promoting that actually have come out and said, you know, those were just low birth weight babies. That wasn't even a thing. That's mm -hmm. not what we intended. And yet you saw um, our people being persecuted for that. And so you have a lot of women. It's like, how far do we take it? Oh, you didn't eat right during your pregnancy, and now there's a problem with the baby. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna prosecute you in criminal court. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying. You're on a drug. We know it's highly addictive. We know that you can't get help because if you're pregnant and you ask for help and you admit that you're on drugs, now we're calling DHS on you, mm -hmm. and now we're gonna take your baby at birth. We're not gonna help you. Mm -hmm. We're gonna report on you. And these are, um, Keisha, um, you're, you're speaking, I'm sure, to the heart and soul of Cindy over here. These are some of the things that she's faced with each and every day. Cindy, you wanna expound on that a little bit? Yes, the, the 
the women that you speak of, these are the majority of the clients that I serve. Mm. And again, it is uh, addiction is a health issue. It's not a criminal issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I mean, can you even imagine? First of all, the threat of having your child taken yes. is not strong enough to beat addiction. If that was the case, everybody would, you know, no longer be addicted. Mm-hmm. So to even have a threat of having your, your children taken away from you, unless, you know, unless you get it together, which we know that that's a myth. You can't just get it together when it comes to addiction. Mm-hmm. And so I agree, you know, um, it's really unfair and it, there really is a lot of biases uh, when it comes to not just race, but also class. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of poor women, I don't have any clients who are, um, you know, in a higher socioeconomic uh, bracket. A bracket. Mm-hmm. So um, again, it is just basically poor women, black women, women of color, who are facing these um, horrendous choices when it, and it's a, this is a health issue, this is not a criminal issue. And I think that is completely inhumane to have someone to threaten to take your children unless you get off drugs because it's so much bigger than that. And once again, like you said, facing um, you know, uh, black women and brown women, uh, which is something that we need to, to continue to discuss mm-hmm. and to, con- to continue the discussion and, and, and opening it up and coming up with the, those coalitions that we're talking about. And, and, and I applaud and really you for bringing a lot of these issues over the last uh, three months. We've been talking about a lot of these issues and I applaud you for for uh, putting this together and, and bringing these issues to the forefront. Well, thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. Um, and again, you're listening to KABF 88.3 FM. And we are here today with Miss Classy Watson, Cindy Hurst, and Keisha Zafino. Um, thank you, ladies, for being here today. We are celebrating with a robust conversation coming towards the end of the month for Women's Month. Uh, we say that Women's Month is every month right ladies yes. <laughs> yes. and, and uh, again I am uh, so excited and happy that you guys are all here and I think this is a conversation um, you know a discussion that I'm sure people are appreciating right now and discovering a lot of things that they don't know and, and, and haven't considered and maybe changing the mindset of, of many women and men even that, that are listening today so I appreciate you uh, many people are saying that this is the year of the woman so I want uh, to ask our panelists is this true and if so why and I think you kind of indicated a little bit Cindy with uh, Stacey Abrams over there but there are many many women and uh, I want both all of you to kind of chime in on that you want to start classy okay all right yeah um, I think uh, like you said Angel for a myriad of reasons why this is the year of the woman. We are seeing more and more black women who are becoming entrepreneurs. Um, they are actually um, the leading in opening new businesses. Um, we are seeing more and more women doing that, stepping out on their own faith. We're seeing more and more women opening up conversations um, around healing from um, an advocacy for, uh, like we were talking about, um, the, the bill for abortion and, and speaking about what we can and cannot do for our bodies. We're seeing more and more women collectively standing together. Um, we saw last year uh, we had um, a worldwide approach to 
black and white women standing together against racism, against issues for the black community and for black women. And you saw women at the forefront of that movement. Sure. You saw women standing up and that only carried over to 2021. It was such an empowering end to 2020, even through the pandemic, that once we came into 2021, women were now creating more organizations. There have been more organizations founded for women's rights, for women to heal, for women to empower themselves. Um, and there's more conversation around that. It is most certainly the year of the woman because we are seeing the strength, the resilience, the perseverance of the woman in real time, in our lifetime, not just reading it in a history book or hearing what our grandparents told us about um, different movements that happened prior to our times, but we are seeing women rise powerfully in real time and standing up for themselves. So, yeah. And speaking of women rise, um, Classy started an organization for women um, called Women Rise, and yes. so um, and, and so let's talk a little bit more about that, which I'm sure is some of the act, some of the things that you're talking about kind of led you into mm -hmm. doing just that as well. Yeah, you know, I saw with uh, with organizations and every organization has its place. But what I saw is a, a lack of willingness to say we are an inclusive and diverse space and to open up these conversations around race and to show how we are better together than we are divided. What I w what happened is I was asked to create a group for just black women. And I said, that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm an educator, I'm a teacher, and I'm a challenger of mindsets and thoughts. And so what I'm gonna do is create a community where women are rising together to collectively diversify their relationships and unravel these stories, these implicit biases, these things that we're telling ourselves and learn from black women, learn from Hispanic women, learn from Asian women, and really start to understand what minority communities face. And what we have to do is amplify those voices, amplify and highlight black and brown and other minority and marginalized women. And oftentimes the voices that we hear from women are white white women. And unfortunately, white women cannot tell my black story. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's Amen. Right. And, and I'm not going to give them that power and the responsibility to do what inadvertently remove my voice yes. while, so, while well-intentioned and they might not realize that that's what's happening but when you take my story and you tell it instead of me yes. it's no longer mine. Yeah, that patriarchal. Yeah, yeah we, don't yeah. Want, we don't want that yeah. to happen. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cindy? I think it's the year of the woman because women are finally uh, being respected. Um, we've been doing, like I said, we've been holding this nation together. Black women have been holding yeah. this nation together for generations. But this is the year of the woman because we are finally getting our props. Uh, we have people who are standing up and saying, yes, she, you know, Stacey Abrams did that. We have a vice president. I mean, that was a vote that happened across the country. Mm -hmm. So people are validating our womanhood, not just politically, socially, um, even in like um, in entertainment. You mm -hmm. have people who are, uh, <laughs> you know, making songs about their sexuality, mm -hmm. and and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, where used to once upon a time. We were not. I remember back in the little Kim days where she was vilified. Mm -hmm. But now women are rising up and saying, okay, hey, this is my body, and I am going to choose how I display it and what I am going to say about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're getting uh, validation. 
on many different levels. They're winning awards. They're being voted into power. They're being um, promoted to different uh, positions, CEOs, and things of that nature. So I think that it's the uh, year of the woman because women are finally, finally being validated and uh, celebrated for the contributions that we have made over many, many, always many made. years. Yes. We've yeah. always made those, but I think mm -hmm. finally, we are finally getting our props and we're being validated and celebrated for being simply who we are. Right, already, as, already. Young, people, as young people say. Already. already. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Keisha, are you there? I am, I am, yeah. I think this is the year of the woman and I feel like you know, talk is cheap. I mean, we can we can talk all day long, but you've got to put your words into action, and I think that's how we're going to make progress. Um, in my space, I've come to believe that certain groups are, who are in power and in the positions that they are in to dictate policy that applies to us have gotten to that place by organizing and mm -hmm. focusing on what the one thing that they can agree on. What I see with a lot of the groups and women I talk to is there is a division uh, between us. You don't have to agree on everything. Mm -mm. Choose mm. the one thing you all want to focus on and organize yourselves and work together to get it done. And it's got to be more than complaining on Facebook or online. You have got to put your money where your mouth is. You have got to go down to the Capitol. You have got to yes. get yeah. together. City board meetings. <laughs> yes. Go to your, your local city council meeting. Go to the quorum court meeting. Draft a bill. Talk to your representatives. You know, me and another lady who had never done anything like that before, we drafted um, our bill. We got someone to run it. I've got a question passed. about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to know how you got Warwick Saban. And I know I, I saw that bill, Warwick Saban and Bob Ballinger, <laughs> who are on opposite extremes know, of the Capitol. No, uh, no, no, not just a Democrat, <laughs> the most liberal Democrat yeah, yeah, and the and most, most right-wing conservative. Right -wing, yeah, conservative. Uh, you got them <laughs> to sign as co-sponsors yes. on that bill. How did you how did you accomplish that? And Bob Ballinger is also the guy who has, is a sponsor of the Stand Your Ground bill yes. this session. That yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I want to know that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I didn't really know who Warwick was. I can't remember who in my circle suggested we reach out to him. But it's all about knowing your audience, right? Mm -hmm. Warwick's young. He's progressive. He's forward-thinking. You know, I got a group of midwives and consumers together, and we went and sat and <laughs> talked to him and told him what was going on. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, this doesn't make much sense because, you know, even me, you know, a man, I, you know, I know that this is the trend. People want... Uh, personalized health care. They don't want everything to be routinized. They they want a better outcome and control over their bodies. And so he was on board right away. And for Ballinger, it was personal because his wife, you know, I think they have eight or nine kids. They, you know, his wife had most of those those kids. But midwife. Oh, yeah. did, oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, so that was the connection. Yeah, now she did have a hospital birth at one point because I think maybe she had placenta accreta a very serious condition and so they're you know nobody's opposed to the hospital when you need it hell but if you don't and you're low risk and you want to stay out of there then that's your choice so you know they they found something they could agree on and and they both went with it and so and that's really what 
politics should look like, right? Absolutely. Even though we're from different sides of the table, different perspectives, different parties. Hey, if this is right, let's do it. Sense, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and absolutely. I was, I was glad to work with both of them on that, and, 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 and it was and, a good experience. And I think Classy kind of alluded to that as well. You know, having a diverse group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, we may not agree on everything, but let's find those commonalities so mm -hmm. we can grow and build from there. You know, highlighting women, respecting women for where they are organizing together right mm -hmm. knowing local politics and how it all works so those are some some things that i, I hear you guys chiming together as one and that's what and, i love and, hearing and understanding the legislative process it sometimes right. it takes a bill like this renters right bill that that keisha was talking about it they they've been running that bill since 2007 <laughs> you know they've been yeah. trying to get that bill passed it didn't pass in 2019 because of the power of the Arkansas Realtors Association and property owners, and it may not get passed this time. In the the other bill, the bill that that passed that basically allowed the Second Amendment bill that allows guns in every place, mm -hmm. churches, hospitals, anywhere you can take a gun anywhere in Arkansas. Basically, that bill was introduced five years before it became law. Absolutely. So that process yeah. is and I is, think you're is right. difficult. I think you're absolutely right, Wes. Um, understanding the le legislative process, and if you don't understand it, you need to tune in mm -hmm. <laughs> every no, so Friday yeah. from 11 a.m. Yeah. to 12 noon and get your taste of it right here and get a little bit more of understanding. Yes. And also go to blockconsumernews.com where we keep you updated on all the local and national news and especially what's going on at our state capitol, right? So definitely do that. And I agree with you 100%, Wesley, on that as well so let's switch gears a little bit ladies and gentlemen okay. um, let's talk about the fact that each of you are entrepreneurs and a lot of black businesses are struggling um, during the pandemic tell our audience um, how your business <clears throat> your businesses have continued to thrive during this national crisis and what advice would you give those um, that are holding on and experiencing hardships you want to talk to that one um, Keisha you want to start off with that I sure will, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was really fortunate through this. You know, sometimes it's nice to not work for yourself, <laughs> at least for yeah. a little bit. So yeah. I got a little bit of break, um, uh, but I still do a little bit of legal work on the side. Ironically enough, usually restoring gun rights and helping people seal their criminal records, which I'm very passionate about. But I think what you have to do is you have to persevere. You have to be persistent. You have to get out there and network in the community. Um, the more people you talk to, uh, the more people who uh, are going to think about you when there's a need. Um, just never give up. You know, keep keep trying and diversify. Find ways to expand your business. Maybe think outside of the box and do something you didn't think you would do before. And for me, that was working for someone else. I was open to the idea of stepping into a new realm and surprisingly really like it. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Um, Cindy? I agree. I think that um, you have to, that's per perseverance has a lot to do with it. But I also think um, being passionate about what you do, that's going to drive everything. Mm -hmm. If you are passionate about what you're doing and you believe in what you're doing, um, I, I have to get a little sentimental and bring my father into this. Okay. I, my father passed away. Um, in November, and my father was a community organizer, community leader, and that's all I knew. That's all I grew up seeing him do. And um, I, you know, I've been in school for <laughs> too long in the last couple of years, 
But at any rate, the one of the last things my father told me, um, he said, just keep on doing good for the people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And those words um, have stuck with me uh, for a long time because that is my goal. That's my passion. And it's to keep doing good for the people. Even if um, I'm not necessarily making the amount of money that I want to be making at this point in time, I still keep that in front of me, that goal in front of me. I still keep my passion alive. And uh, passions are going to be uh, prominent in your life, regardless if you're making money from them or not. Um, But as far as, um, uh, like she said, go out, you know, and meet different people, let people know about what you're doing. keep an open mind about a lot of different things. Um, I'm currently working for somebody right now as well. And just working for another industry has also opened up doors for me as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, A whole different group of people that I um, have intentions of serving that I never even considered that I would be. So I just think just keeping an open mind, not giving up and holding on to that fire, that passion that's inside of you because that's gonna always be your driving force. Absolutely. Classy? Yeah. So um, as a life and business strategist, my entire job is working with entrepreneurs and small business owners. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. It is the only way I eat and pay my bills. (laughs) And uh, through the pandemic, you know, what happened was a major shift. One, one, One thing that happened is people had to realize that as entrepreneurs and business owners, you have to always be willing to shift, pivot, and adjust. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that happens is we don't think about failure when we're in the, where we're thinking we're thriving and we're moving in the Mm -hmm. hustle and bustle. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth of the matter is, Failure is present every day that you are an entrepreneur. And if you are not creating systems and strategies in your business to help you alleviate the stressors of how failure can creep in, noticing the gap areas, noticing the areas in your business where you need to create new policy, new change. Maybe you do need to have a partnership or a collaboration with someone. Maybe we need to get out of our own way and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of pride and ego that goes behind that as well. And so when, when pride and ego is, is present, there is no room for learning. There's no room for growth because you're, you're too into yourself. And so often what we had to do this year and what uh, many of my clients had to do, they had to slow themselves down. I had to help them slow themselves down to be able to think about how they've been limiting their own path Mm -hmm. to success because of the ego, because of the pride, because of the fear of asking Get out of your own way. (laughs) You have to get out of your own way. Well, and I think you're right, Classic. People don't like the idea of failure. When we start something, we think... Really, what someone else is gonna think? Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I failed, so I'm I'm embarrassed about that. Mm-hmm. Or you keep doing something and it's not working, but right. you're afraid of saying that I failed at that. And instead, you're saying, and I hear us all saying, pivot, turn. Yeah. You know, yeah. get a brain strategist. Failure yeah. <laughs> okay. is nothing but a catalyst for learning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Learning what didn't work and how I can implement new systems to better project the future uh, that I'm trying to create. I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember when I first started in business, I looked at uh, my business as my baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant 
to allow somebody else come in to help me raise my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Then I became an overwhelmed parent Mm -hmm. because I realized that there are just certain things that I was not suited for. I was able to create products, but marketing those products were just like a whole nother beast. Mm -hmm. And I was doing the best I could with marketing my brand. However, I had to turn that over to somebody else and allow them, again, get out of my own way, Mm -hmm. still being able to nurture my baby, Mm -hmm. but realize it takes a village, right? There you go. (laughs) Absolutely. So, lady, all of you are very accomplished in your respective fields of marketing and branding, social work and law, but you also have made um, your mark in the creative industry as well, as I know, right? (laughs) Um, So why is it important to cultivate your creativities and your talents and your skills? Cindy, you're a filmmaker, um, classic, you're a photographer, uh, Keisha, we should, I mean, Keisha, you are a <laughs> esthetician, <laughs> beauty consultant. So, so why is that important? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can exist if I'm not creating some, some form of art. I even weave um, art into my work. And my, I mean, I love, uh, even though, I think they're intertwined. I am an artist but I am also an advocate for social issues. So even the films that I produce deal with social issues, but I do it in an artistic way. Mm -hmm. And I also know that uh, there are different platforms that are necessary to reach people. Mm -hmm. And um, we're visual people. And I think that using um, film books as a vehicle to get a social issue moving forward, Mm -hmm. that has been, my catalyst but as far as the art is concerned I have to create if you know I just I must do it as an artist (laughs) well you say there's no option there is no option I must create something uh, artistic absolutely and what about you Keisha I think you just have to do it to stay sane honestly (laughs) (laughs) I know right just cut through the chase Keisha that's why I love you all right (laughs) <laughs> and and classy? I think that we have to do it to stay innovative and to stay on like on our game and and also as an outlet. Uh, there's so many different ways for us to express our mental and emotional traumas, stresses, all of those things. And so for me personally, it helps me process those. I write poetry, um, I sing, I do a lot of artistic things. But then also it helps me be innovative in my entrepreneurial pursuits and for helping strategize businesses, how we're going to expand my clients' businesses. That creative brain helps me think more out of the box. Mm -hmm. So cultivating that helps me in my business, but it also helps me in my healing. Oh, that's wonderful. All all very, very good. Um, I'm definitely a right brain trick chick over here. You guys, (laughs) you guys all know, know that very, very well. And um, yeah, yeah, the the creativity is an outlet for for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think you're right, Cindy, when you can intertwine that into your quote unquote professional world, it makes things a little bit better because you're living in your passion as well. Yes. And I and I appreciate that about each and every in each and every one of you for sure. Hey, listen, we are, we've got about three minutes left, but I'm gonna ask you guys a question. It's called the BCN 
hot seat. Keisha, <laughs> do not hang up. You're still there. So well, you better ask me first. Okay. <laughs> I will ask you first. So so all right. So so we're gonna get started. It's only gonna take a few seconds. So so when I ask you the question, you just choose the one that, that you want and I'll just go around the room and we'll just go quickly through that. So electricity or renewable energy. Keisha Electricity. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, renewable energy. Okay, Cindy. <laughs> Likewise, same, same answer. Same. Likewise, oh, in okay. a perfect, in a perfect world. All right. What is your favorite cooking utensil, Keisha? Oh, uh, my micro uh, grater zester. Oh, okay. Our micro grater zester. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really great grater that you can use. No, okay. <laughs> All right, and Cindy? I would have to say my wooden spatula. All right. Yeah, I like that. All right. What about you? Cast iron skillet. Oh. All right. Now, this, 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 hey, so you, you, they all love to cook. That's why they're all my friends. Okay. And the last but not least, office or remote? Remote. Office for me. I'm more productive. Oh, wow. Go for it. Remote? Uh, because I am a self-proclaimed recluse. <laughs> Remote. Remote. Classy. I'm saying I'm, I'm doing a combo. I want a combo. I want to be able to go to my office when I want to and then work remotely when I Oh, actually, I do get to do that. So. Oh, my goodness. Hey, listen, ladies, this has been a fabulous show. I want to thank you enough. I can't thank you enough from the top of my heart for all you guys being here. Um, these are my friends. These are the, the women that I love dearly, and they're here with me to celebrate women. Women's Month, and what better way to do it here on Black Consumer News. Wesley, check I want to thank you. I, I, yeah, check out our website. Ooh. Wesley, I want to thank you for hanging in there with us yes, today. Yes, John yes. didn't think it was possible, but it, it, but it worked, John. <laughs> he, he hung in there. Yeah, so please go to our website, blackconsumernews.com. Like us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, because we like you. You've been listening to Black Consumer News, news that empowers. <laughs>